Did you know that about 100,000 slaves escaped to freedom in either Spanish Florida, Mexico, or Canada? That still left more than 4 million of their enslaved brothers and sisters existing in the South. Welcome to the Lore of the South. South. Welcome back to Lore of the South with me, Kelly Cruz. It has been a week. Y'all ever have sinus pain that felt like rebar was being shoved through your upper jaw, through your cheekbone, and into your eye socket? Well, that's how my week has been. But anywho, enough of the wonderfulness that is my swollen, painful face. And sorry about the delay, but here's an update. We took a quick trip to Savannah, and then I came home to a root canal. So, needless to say, the last couple of weeks have been doozies, and now on with the story. We are well into the shortest month of our calendar year, February, the month that has been designated to honor Black history. I've got a couple of stories lined up for y'all, and a small little bonus story. The bonus just might get tucked in with the other two stories, I'm not sure yet. But it's one that I, when I heard it, it made me instantly angry, and I don't think many know the true story. But I digress, I'm getting ahead of myself. Today's episode, number 37, we're going to go visit Old Fort Mose, the first free city of escaped slaves in the South. Heck, in all of North America, for that matter. Since the 1660s, when the British colonies first started bringing enslaved Africans ashore as forced labor into its colonies, the enslaved began their search and fight for freedom. The British believed that some men, namely white men, had God's grace to rule over and even own other people. The Spanish to the south in St. Augustine, Florida, held a different opinion on slavery. The Spanish did not think that slavery was a natural condition. They felt that slavery were parts of spoils of war. We conquer you, and we get to keep you kind of thing. Spain also granted certain rights to its enslaved populations that the British did not. Under Spanish rule, slaves could own property, they could marry, they could sue their owners, they could buy their freedom, and their loved ones were not allowed to be sold away from them. I'm not saying that any form of slavery is okay, but I could see how it could offer hope for someone who was enslaved in a British colony not that far from St. Augustine. Slaves in the English colonies of Virginia and the Carolinas began making the long and treacherous trek south through miles of swamps and lands yet explored by European settlers. They were sometimes helped by Native Americans along the way, who helped point the way south to La Florida and its Spanish capital of St. Augustine. In 1693, King Charles of Spain decreed that all runaways from the English colonies would be granted asylum, as long as they agreed to convert to Catholicism and swore to serve the Spanish crown. Word of this proclamation traveled north along with Native American traders, and encouraged many of the colonists enslaved to flee to the south. The Spanish encouraged this practice to the nth degree, hoping to undermine the economic success of their northern enemies. Then comes the 1730s and the founding of the colony of Georgia. This kicks the Spanish into high gear to create better outlying fortifications to protect St. Augustine 
And this is when, in 1738, the Florida governor sanctioned the building of Fort Garcia Real de Santa Teresa de Mose. And with that declaration, we have the very first sanctioned community of ex-enslaved people who walked, ran, canoed, and fought their way south to freedom. Fort Mose was made up of about a hundred free individuals, many of them being highly trained craftspeople. It was located about two miles north of the walled city of St. Augustine and was set up as a first line of defense against British invasion. The fort had both a moat and wooden stockade walls, which were covered in a mud plaster. In the 1750s, the fort contained 22 palm thatched homes, a wooden church where the villagers would attend mass, performed by a priest who lived in Fort Mose full time. The free people of Fort Mose farmed fish traded with both Native Americans and with the Spanish. They were quite self-sufficient in their small community. They flourished until the invasion led by James Oglethorpe in 1740. Due to lack of fortifications, the people of Fort Mose fled into St. Augustine. Oglethorpe and his troops easily took the abandoned outpost. Days later, the Mose militia returned to their home and defeated the British, though Fort Mose was destroyed in the process. After this, the freed people began to integrate more freely amongst the Spanish colonists in St. Augustine. In 1752, a new governor ordered the rebuilding of Fort Mose, though the life of the fort would once again be short-lived. In 1763, Spanish Florida was given over to the British as part of a peace treaty. This created a max exodus from La Florida for the Spanish and the people of Fort Mose. Many of the fort's refugees settled in Cuba, never returning to Florida again. This was a very brief telling of the history of Fort Mose. It's a state park today, and it's still only a couple of miles outside of St. Augustine. So go give them a visit next time you're in the area. They are known for their reenactments and awesome history interpreters. Doing the research for this brief recounting, I found the story of a man whose story is deeply entwined with that of Fort Mose, and he deserved his own little section of today's episode. So without further ado, I give you episode 37.5, Captain Francisco Menendez. Menendez was captured at a fairly young age, out of what many scholars believe is the Gambia region of Africa. There is even speculation that he had been a member of the Mandinka tribe. He survived the crossing and was put to work on a plantation in South Carolina. He would have labored there until the Yemi's War of 1715 to 1717, where a group of escaped slaves banded together with many tribes of Native Americans in an uprising against British colonists. It would have been during this time that young Menendez and his wife Anna Maria and a handful of other enslaved people escaped to St. Augustine, in hopes of becoming free under Spanish law. Though once there, they found out they were not going to be granted said freedom, but were indentured for the next four years. Anna Maria went to work in a Spanish colonist home, and Francisco became a Spanish militiaman. He fought in numerous sieges against the British to the north. Menendez and his black militia were both experts in guerrilla warfare and the traditional fighting of the day. In 1726, he was appointed captain of the black forces. 
During this time, he also learned to read and write. And finally, in 1738, he petitioned the new governor of Florida to free him and 30 other blacks under the Spanish religious sanctuary laws. He and his comrades were finally granted their freedom and went about building Fort Mose with special decree from Governor Montiano. In less than two years, Oglethorpe's army would invade and take Fort Mose. Menendez's troops would soon after defeat Oglethorpe and retake the destroyed fort. As I mentioned earlier, the black community of Fort Mose then begins to integrate into Spanish life of St. Augustine. After the devastation and the loss of his home of Fort Mose, Francisco enlists as a Spanish corsair, or a pirate in the Spanish fleet. He was captured only a year later in 1741 by the British privateer The Revenge, captained by Benjamin Norton. Norton, finding out that Menendez was a Spanish captain, ordered his whipping, 100 lashes, and then soaked Menendez's ravaged back in a pickling mixture of vinegar. Francisco survived the beating, only to be sold back into slavery along with his fellow free black Spanish sailors. The record goes cold until Captain Menendez reappears back in St. Augustine in 1759, where he sets about reforming the outpost and free black city of Fort Mose. Once again, the life of the fort was short-lived. At the end of the Seven Years' War, Spain granted the lands of Florida to the British in 1763. Captain Francisco Menendez and his fellow inhabitants all evacuated to Cuba. He and his family eventually settled in Havana, where he was paid a pension from the Spanish government for his services to the crown. We need to send a special thank you to Dr. Chris Essing for his help on this podcast and many others. He is the best when it comes to sending me research materials. Thanks, Doc. Side note, the Captain Norton who captured Menendez and ordered his beating, he faced charges in the Bahamas for selling freed men. He argued that they were only slaves and was well within his rights to sell his black cargo. He was let go, and the paperwork still exists today for how much he sold Captain Francisco Menendez for. A measly 34 pesos, or $100, which in today's money is about 3500 bucks. And y'all, those were the two intertwined stories about the man who helped found the place where the once enslaved could be free. Thank y'all so much for hanging in there and waiting for a new episode. Hope y'all enjoyed it. We've got one more episode and a bonus planned for the last Sunday of Black History Month. So be on the lookout for that. What else? Let's see. What should I recommend? You know what? Y'all get out there. Go see your little local museum or go visit that kind of creepy cemetery in your hometown. If you're on the road and see a sign for historical location, get off the interstate. Go take a look around. You never know what you might come across. Oh, and y'all remember, I've got Lord of the South t-shirts. I did a limited run and have sizes small to XXL left. 25 bucks will get it shipped or delivered to you depending on your location. If overseas, there will have to be a bit of an upcharge. These are good looking tees, so don't miss out. I'll repost pics on social media for y'all to see them. 
Um, speaking of social media, make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram. I always post pics to go along with each episode. Um, we need y'all's reviews still. So Spotify and Apple, those are the places to leave reviews for us. If you want to get in touch, you can email the show at laurathesouth at gmail.com. And we will talk to y'all later on Laura the South.